Welcome to Design Talk. This episode was recorded on Thursday, 25th of March, 2021, with Brian Manning and Sean Doran from the NCBI, the National Council for the Blind of Ireland. Brian introduces and demonstrates JAWS, after which Sean talks about how the underlying structure of web pages are used by screen reader applications like JAWS for both navigation and to communicate content for visually impaired users. JAWS is a PC screen reader application and was developed for people with vision loss. It enables you to navigate and control a computer without needing to see the screen or to use a mouse. Input is via the keyboard and output is by computer speech feedback. Brian opens the session. What I'm hoping to do this afternoon is to demonstrate the, the power and the value of screen, reading, screen readers in general, but the JAW screen reader in particular. And I suppose, first of all, to, um, to emphasize that a screen reader does what it says on the tin. A screen reader will literally read the screen of a, techno- of a technical device. So if it's a laptop or if it's a Windows device, the screen reader, such as JAWS, which stands for Job Access with Speech, will Hello, read the screen, will read what's on the screen for you. I mean, again, if you were using an Apple device, for example, the Apple Mac, the screen reader that you would probably be using would be a screen reader called VoiceOver. Again, if you're using some of the smart tablets, if you were using an Android phone or an Android smart tablet, um, the screen reader would probably be a system called TalkBack. And likewise, if you're using an iOS smart device, the uh, screen reader would probably be VoiceOver. So for the purposes of, of, of this, I'm going to have a quick look at JAWS, the JAWS screen reader for Windows and how that works, okay? And essentially, I mean, JAWS will take takes it for granted, for example, that you can't see the screen, so even though I have the screen on here in front of me, I think, I don't need to have the screen on. Alert. I could Arm easily activate a JAWS function, which is um, the JAWS key and spacebar, and press F11 and turn the screen off. That's, how, that's how, how much irrelevant the screen can be to a screen reader. We don't need the screen on at all. And again, the screen reader, because it works so successfully and it works so much in tune with the uh, keyboard, again... It just takes the, the screen reader technology takes for granted that you're not using the most. You can't see the most, so therefore you're not using the most. So everything is done in tandem with the, the keyboard. So basically, the output or the input is through the keyboard and the output is through speech. Speakers. Okay, so that's how the screen reader works. And that's the basic premise and the basic conceptual uh, approach of to the to the um, to the computer to the technology of the screen reader. The fact that you don't need the most, you don't need the screen. It's all incidental. You have the keyboard for input and you have the speech for output. Again, so how does um, a blind person use a screen reader to navigate around a Windows device? So again, we have the Windows key. So instead of clicking on the Windows icon with your mouse, just press the start button, which is the Windows key. Search box and edit. you should hear now JAWS echoing search box edit. And I have a list of my programs in front of me, so I can just arrow down and hear the programs. All apps checked. All uninstall Zoom number. 3D viewer A. Access okay. And again, if I need, if I want escape. to activate any of those options, I can just press the enter button, um, and that will open that particular program. Or, for example, I can hit my Windows key, Search and I can tab it to the more, to most important or the more used, frequently used applications. Just going to press the tab button. 
Start list box. Toggle start navigation menu items collapsed. One of eight. User account for Brian. Documents. Downloads. Personal folder. File explorer. So settings. for example, if Set. I want to go to documents, I can just arrow back up again to documents. File personal folder. Downloads. Documents. documents. Enter. And that opens my documents. Start. Not and now I can arrow down and pick a particular document. 12, 24 November. Advocate. Brian. Chipper number. Clock and sheet. Clock and sheet. That's the new system, uh, clocking system we have here on NCBA. So if essentially what JAWS is doing is echoing all of the documents or all, all of the items on a list as I arrow through it. Copy of file alert. And again, it also allows me first letter navigation. So if I'm on any particular list or if I'm on any particular set of options, I always have the option to go to first letter navigation, which means if I press the first letter of an option on a list, JAWS will jump me to it. And again, it's just another example as to how JAWS syncs perfectly with, with the various window commands because a lot of the commands I'm using are JAWS commands, but for the most part, in actual fact, they're Windows commands. So like, for example, if you as a sighted person, and if you're on a document list, for example, if you press the first letter of that list, you will also jump. The, the, the folks will also jump for you to the first um, to an item on that list beginning with that letter. So all we're really using is a combination of the Windows keys and the JAWS keys to navigate around the computer. But if you just, I'm just going to, so I'm just going to demonstrate that. I'm just going to randomly pick the letter S. I want you to jump to a document beginning with S. S, shortcut keys. Shortcut keys. How did I know that that was there? So now I'm just going to press enter to activate that. It should bring me to enter. Microsoft Word document. Opening dash word. Opening dash word. Shortcut keys dash compatibility mode dash word. Resume. Print view. And now I'm in a print view and I'm in a Microsoft Word document. So again, now I can just arrow down and have the document read for me. Blank. NVDA. Blank. If you are running NVDA from a desktop, the NVDA key is holding down the caps lock. If on the desktop, it is by holding down the insert key on the numeric keypad. Okay. So, and again, now if I want everything read, and this applies right across the suite of Windows applications. So, for example, if I wanted to, if I was in an email and I wanted the entire read, email read, I can arrow up and down through it. Similarly, a, a web page on any of the browsers, similarly a Word document, spreadsheets, whatever. If I want to read any document continuously, which obviously I will, if it's a if it's a, a ten page you know PDF document, I don't want to arrow down to each line individually. So I can then just hold up what we call the JAWS key. Now again, the JAWS key varies as to what kind of of keyboard you're using. If you're using a laptop keyboard, then you can choose the JAWS key, the JAWS key as we call it, to be the caps lock. So in which case, you'd hold on the caps lock and press the down arrow key, and that would activate what we call the JAWS read all or say all command. Again, if you're using a standard desktop keyboard, you can just hold on the insert button to the right or the zero button to the right of the arrow keys on the numeric keypad. And once the numeric keypad is on. Is off, sorry, once the numeric keypad is off, then that doubles as the JAWS key. So I can just hold on the insert key or the JAWS key and press the down arrow key and everything will be right for me. If you are running NVDA from a desktop, the NVDA key is holding down the caps lock. If on the desktop, it is by holding down the insert key on the numeric keypad to read any document, website, PDF, word it is NVDA. And then I can just press the control button here, which is at the, just to the left of the function key on my laptop here, or, you know, the control button, the control key at the bottom left of any of any keyboard, to, to, and that just temporarily shuts JAWS up. And again, I can just do my JAWS and down arrow to start reading again. Or if I wanted to read through, it, you know, again, a Word document or a web page or whatever the word at a time, I can just hold control and right arrow. To enter the NVD menu, it 
and read and the letter. I would just say if I wanted to go through a word, a character at a time, or I would just say it was a phone number I wanted to go through, a, a digit or a character at a time, I can just press the right arrow key. E, T, T, E, R, space. And again, if I'm creating a document, page two, bottom of the document, enter. I, if I go to the end, and I, I want what I can get yours to just echo every letter as I type it. So as I type now, I'm going to hear each individual character being echoed by Jaws. So I T space I S space A space L O V E L Y space D A Y space A E R E space I N space C O R A. And similarly, if I can set Jaws to read out each letter and character, so if I just do the Jaws key and the number two. Words, both characters and words. So if I type space so, um, A E R E here I N N. C O R K cork. So again, now most people, as a rule, prefer to have just the letters or the uh, the letters or the digits echoed. None characters. So have set the characters. Okay. Now again, I can using a combination of the windows and the JAWS keys. I can just jump anywhere I want in this document. So if I want to jump to the top, I can just press Control and Home. Page one, top of file shortcut. JAWS will tell me I'm at the start of the document, the top of the file. I can go to the end of the file. Jaws and end. Oh, sorry, control Page and end. Two, bottom of file. It is a lovely... Or I can just arrow up or down, or I can press the F7, and Jaws will speak me through the um, the spell check functionality. I can, again, I can do it, by, for example, if I wanted to change the font styles or the font size or anything like that, I can use a combination of the Windows keys. So, for example, if I wanted to change the size of the text, I can just do Control shift and p Control shift p size, colon, edit, 11, 12, 14... Enter. Print if I want to change the, you know, if I want to change the font, uh, the font type, I can do Control D. Control D. Font colon edit. Calibri type and text. I can just say what I want to know. I can just press T. Oh, man, press Enter. And again, so these are all shortcuts that you can apply. So Windows marry or Windows marries perfectly with JAWS in in, in enabling a blind or vision impaired person carry out all of this functionality. On you know your standard editing documents like Microsoft Word, WordPad, your emails, anything like that. Okay, and again, for example, JAWS will give you extra function or extra functionality. So, for example, if I wasn't sure um, where I was, okay, in a document or if where I was on my computer. So right now I'm in a document called Shortcuts in Microsoft Word. So if I do my JAWS key and press the letter T. Title is shortcut keys dash compatibility mode dash word print. Okay, so it tells me where Away I am. A, a combination of the JAWS key and separate different letters on the keyboard will give give you different JAWS uh, hotkeys. So, for example, if I wasn't sure what 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 the font characteristics were on the, the the document I'm working on, so if I wasn't sure whether I was in bolded text or the the type of the font I had or the size of the font, I just do JAWS key and F. 14 point black on white delivery normal style line spacing okay so jaws will give me up feed me back all that information if i want to jaws help so for example if i want a list of all of the shortcuts not a given application if i just do jaws and w the following ms word shortcut keys may be useful create a new document control plus n open an existing document document and it does that for me so just run through all of those for me Again, it gives me extra feedback. So, for example, if I wanted to find the time, I can just do my JAWS and F12. 13, 12, 25, March 2021. Quickly, it just gives me the, the, the date and time as well. And it also allows me things like, for example, if I wanted to get access to the system tray, again, I can just do my JAWS F11. And 
Just bring me to the system tray and help me do. Select the system tray icon dialog. And it just helps me maybe do things like, you know, access to the speakers, to the volume, if I want to set up a Wi-Fi connection. OneDrive dash NCBI up. Connecting is using your microphone. 4HR34 minus parent UI dash B535. That's my Wi-Fi connection. Speaker slash escape. Again, so, and again, like these are just for, for power users of a computer, JAWS is absolutely fantastic as a blind person because it just gives you so, it allows you so access to so many different features of the Windows key. And again, I mean, like, this applies right across the suite of, 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 of applications and technology. So what I'm just demonstrating here, what JAWS can do on Windows, VoiceOver can very much do all of this stuff on the Mac as well. Um, now, again, and again, we have a combination of the Windows keystroke. So, for example, a keystroke that should be written on every wall, everywhere in the world, is Alt-F4. Because what Alt-F4 does is Alt F4, it, just, it just exits any window. So don't save buttons. Don't save, I don't need to save changes to that. So now, I don't know where I am, so I, I just do my JAWS and T, and... Title is Documents. Tells me that I'm in the Documents. Alt-F4, Zoom, and you cannot... Again, you can all hear my... Alan, you can hear my my um, my um screen being echoed here anyway, so you know what exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, so, exactly. Now, again, obviously, the Internet is a huge... The Internet is of huge significance for everyone. But again, it's of particular relevance to blind or vision-impaired people because, I mean, one of the... um. One of the traditional, I suppose, uh, vacuums, one of the traditional um, impacts of disability in the past, especially visual disability, was your, you know, it, it was your access to information and access to, you know, every, to, to the everyday world. Whereas, again, I mean, all of that information now is held on the Internet. And, like, that poverty of access is, is done away with now almost too through the internet. So, for example, if I wanted to do, read a newspaper, do a Google search, do my shopping online, I can do it all, again, using JAWS and using uh, the internet. So I'm just going to use Google Chrome for my web browser. Search so it's going to... G. Google Chrome app, enter. Let's enter on that. So now that brings me on to... App dash Google Chrome toolbar. So we just say something as basic as doing a Google search. So I'm just going to do my shortcut to bring up my Google Chrome... Um, Google Chrome edit field, so control and L. Control L. Just say, I'm going to type NCBI. NCBI, enter, I dot E. I'm just going to press enter, enter on. NCBI dash working for people with sight loss dash Google Chrome. Accept and button to activate present contrast. So I'm just going to do a search for Blarney Street. I just come from off of Blarney Street in Cork, so I'm just going to do a search for Blarney Street. B-A-R-E-Y-S-T-R-E-E-T. Enter google.com slash search Q equals Okay, so now I'm here. Now, again, JAWS, again, is very clever in its in the way it manipulates the uh, the internet. So JAWS obviously knows that you just can't go onto any given website and start um, typing willy-nilly onto, onto the website and changing the website around. We just say it was a website, the RTE website, with a list of a program schedules. I could just press T and George would jump me to a table on the website. There are no tables on this page. Or if it was we just say uh, the Manchester United website and you wanted to jump to the list of players, we just press L. There are no lists on this page. And George page. would jump me to a list. Any of the standard elements on a web page, if you press the first letter to it, so for example, if you wanted to jump to a form on a web page, like for example, the Ryanair website, you wanted to jump straight to the form to fill in, you just press F and George would jump you to the first field form. If you wanted to, for, for example, you were filling in a form and you wanted to jump from combo box to combo box, you can press C. 
F7 will list the links on a given website. F5 bring up a list of edit fields on a website. Again, JAWS is just using the keyboard in a very smart, proficient way to enable the blind or vision impaired person to get around any of the websites. So it's always good practice when you go to a website first to just arrow down and give yourself the awareness or the familiarity with that website. And once you have that, then you can employ all of these shortcuts and all of these little hints and little tricks to get you around the website better. One of the things in my experience, especially as people get older, maybe one of the things that you ask a vision impaired or a blind person in maybe in their 50s or 60s, what do they miss most? And but an awful lot of people will say, reading a newspaper, with a bit of training, with a bit of perseverance, with a bit of patience, you can still read a newspaper or you can go shopping online and you can do all of these things. And again, you just give them the familiarity of the websites that they're going to be working with. So for example, the Irish Examiner website is a very good one. So I'm just going to open the Irish Examiner website just to demonstrate how effective on any of the screen readers are with these particular websites. But in, in this particular example, the uh, the jaw screen reader. Control L toolbar address double period period C O L. So I just typed in the Irish examiner there, brought up the website. So now, for example, if I wanted to go to sport, I suppose the basic rule with any Windows device or any of these applications is there's more than at least three ways to do anything on any given computer, and that's excluding the most. So, for example, if I just wanted to jump to sport here, so do my jaws. F7. Links list dialog. Links list view. Sign in. Brought my list of links. So I'm going to press S for sport because that's the link I want to go to. So S. Subscribe. S. Spotlight. S. Sport. 11 of 190. And just tells me sport. So if I press enter, enter. Irish. I want to find the GA headline. I just want to go to the, the, to the GA heading. So I'm going to press H for heading. In this case, I'm going to employ another Windows keystroke combined with JAWS, which is the find keyboard or the find command. And to do this, if I just do my job, my control button and F. Virtual find. Jaws find dialog. Find, find what? Edit. So I'm just going to do G. G. A. A. Press enter. Enter. Heading level 2 link A. Heading link A. It's important. It's, it's significant that the terminology that Jaws used there as well. Because it told me a number of things. It told me, okay, I was at a heading, which is important. It told me I was at a link. It said link, which is obviously important. I said gas. So it told me where I was. But the fact that it said link is important to a JAWS user because then I know that if I want to activate that, I can just press enter here. If it was just a heading, if it just said heading GAA, then I couldn't press enter because it wasn't the link. I just press my enter. Enter. HTTPS slash sport slash god slash dash Google Chrome. Heading level two link The best coverage of God dash Irish examiner dash Google Chrome. The best coverage of God dash Irish examiner. Page has one frame, three regions, 61 headings and 188 links. Okay. Obviously, as a blind or vision impaired person, I can't see that the page is fully loaded. So Josh tells me how many headings are on the page and how many links are on the page. And it, it, it does that, so that gives me the information then the page is fully loaded. Jaws knows how many links are there, so therefore the page must be fully loaded. So it just allows me, okay, now I'm ready to go again. So I can just press H for headings. God visited heading level Dublin Star Goldrick out of AFLW finale after undergoing surgery heading level for Alan Quirk colon playing outfield key to a keeper's Alan education Quirk, heading level Quirk, 5 link. Let's build a Gaelic Games family. So again, and again if I, I just wanted to read one of those, I can just press enter. Again, do my say all command and my read all command, which is JAWS, down arrow, and JAWS will read everything. Read the block of the of the of the um the article for me. And again, that's fantastic. And again, I mean, there is even a sequence that you can apply to this. Once the web page is loaded, press your tab button to jump to the link of the article you want, press enter, press your JAWS down arrow to read the article. 
press your backspace, which and backspace is the same as clicking the back link on um or the back the back button on the web page to come out of that article, press tab to get to the next article you want, enter, and you can continue the sequence. So again, if you wanted to introduce for a person that's new to all of these technologies and might be a bit fearful or might be a bit intimidated by these um, technologies, you can simplify it as well and you can kind of get them along or coax them along or humor them along so that, you know, not just are they getting the information that they want, but they're also building the confidence to be, to be able to um, develop the whole, the, their, all of their technology skills. And so hopefully, like, like all I really hoped to do this morning at lunchtime was to just give you a good idea as how screen readers work and to give you a good insight as to the access to information that these technologies allow and, uh, and enable blind or vision impaired people to, 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 to realise. And to, I suppose, I suppose to, to, to demonstrate to you as well like that a blind person can function fully in, a, in, a, in third level education, in employment. Again, these technologies have been hugely significant in opening the whole area of, of first of all, third level, second level education and third level education for blind and vision impaired people. I know there are blind and vision impaired graduates in, in every university in Ireland. The transition has been very successfully bridged between second level education and third level education for blind people. And the newest challenge or the new the newest barrier or the new glass ceiling or glass barrier that we would have now is getting people into blind people into employment and on the internet or you know reading an email or anything like that a scenario that you'd like me to maybe demonstrate how jaws would work in in and in carrying out that particular function or scenario email i can't really overstate the the importance or the importance of, of email for blind or vision impaired people because email is electronic and again a lot of the correspondence are going to be coming through email it's electronic so therefore for a blind person that's excellent because you can get jaws or screen reader to use it or screen readers to read them so regardless of how we we obtain our emails we can we have the voiceover capacity or we have the screen reader capacity to read them it's great for everyone in in schools or employment or whatever so initially email communication was brilliant at a personal level but now that blind or vision impaired people are functioning in so many different levels be it education or employment email has even become even more functional yeah very good brian look i know that your your deadline awaits your appointment awaits so yeah You've covered everything really well for us. Thank you very much. Sean's in, so we'll follow up with, or we'll continue with Sean. That's brilliant. Thanks a million. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Sean. Thanks. All four, the best coverage of God-Irish Examiner. All four, the best coverage of God-Irish Examiner. All four, post attendee-zoom-microsoft. All four, closing tab. Okay, I'll stop. Um, that was really good, actually, to see it uh, happening live. A question for you there. For example, he was using the JAWS function with the H keys. Now, he obviously has touch access and knows the keyboard beautifully, touch types fantastically. So he hits H. Does H differentiate between H1, H2? These are the, the HTML markers that we see um, in structures. It's, it's, it's search. It searches for them in order that they're on the page. So it'll jump to the first heading on the page, which you know should be heading level one. If there's any subheadings under that, it will jump to heading level two, three, four, et cetera, but it will do them in order. It's not going to just jump to heading level ones, unfortunately. Right. So if we're developing our own website or our, our writing a, a HTML page, it's okay that we've got the basic structure there and the fine points around whether it's H1, H2, 
that's yeah. really not going to get in the way. It's no, gonna... unless they're really, really concentrating on the source material and in terms of, is this actually a subheading of that? But your everyday user is not going to go into that much detail. They're just happy to go through the information in those segments. Ideally, you know, if we do have it labeled correctly in terms of everything in heading level three should have been under that heading level two. At least we know like if we were going to do a copy and paste everything is part of that we can copy and paste up from that to the first overarching heading so it's just it's just structure wise in terms of like if we're making a document we we would always hope that we have our heading levels correct but it's not essential but it's definitely useful for someone moving through a website quickly in my mind some sites the highest level heading might be labeled as title is is that a thing or is it literally just h1 on a website the page itself will be will have the title and then h1 will jump to the first heading on the page it'll read out what it is and then tell you which heading number it is. And within the structure of a page, we often have images where we're encouraged to provide alt text for descriptive text for those images. But how does that yeah. come across to a voiceover or, or JAWS? So as the screen reader moves down, we're going to come across an image that will gain the focus and then it'll say graphic. And if it has an alt text description, it will then read the alt text description. And that's this. If you don't have an alt text description, it'll probably just read the name of the image, which can often be just a, you know, a series of numbers and then .jpg. Or I could just say image on label, depending on what way you have your screen reader set up. It's definitely very useful to have an alt text description there and a, me a meaningful alt text description. Let's say for an image description, which adds color to the material, obviously for the sighted user, adds context and information. Within Microsoft's suite, you can actually assign AI-generated descriptions. And you yep. often find there a picture with three people standing in a blue room, that kind of very high-level description, whereas yeah. the author of that might say, well, I've got five people uh, or three people studying the design of a shopping cart. So would you keep both or would you would you provide more information or two types? I'd, I'd, I'd prefer to put in a manual one that's, uh, that's a bit more descriptive and meaningful. With the likes of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, they all have an AI algorithm now, which will sign all text, but it isn't overly descriptive. It's, it's very generic, which, you know, it's still nice to get it. If it says picture of a tree, a man standing by it, that's fine. But if you're on a website, maybe that should say Alan Higgins standing at a tree. Or um, My sense is that as the editor of a website, I would tend towards the more sort of what I would think of as informational description. But I think sometimes I think to myself, it's okay that you get that sort of simplistic description too. It complements it quite well. It's like a first cut is people standing beside a lake. Second sentence of that would be the president of UCD talking to the Minister of Education outside the Confucius Institute. It's the context of the image within the site. I mean, if, if it's a UCD site and it is a lecturer in the image, you, you want to convey that. If it's a generic kind of background image where it's like, you know, it's a stock image of three random students, information isn't relevant to anyone, then we're all going to look at that image and not realize who those three people are. So they don't have to be described in, in great detail. If it is three students, maybe you do want to put in three UCD students at whatever location it is. And then you can always have a text caption or within the description naming who they are. If, if is relevant because of course the audio description is really useful because it's at the evidence it's the page you're getting the information off the page but you do skip through a lot of it you, you do have to go through a lot of guts you do and, and like that initial orientation like on a website you're building a map in your own head he's saying you know, he might down arrow throughout a website and get a, a feel for how many links are there i know it does read out at the start but the links that are useful to him. Like I was speaking to one of our service users recently because we, when we launched our news site, so she spent about half an hour on the homepage going through all the links because within sub-menus and menus in our menu system, we probably do have about like 40 or 50 links there. 
So she went through them all and then went, well, I'm only going to be going to the shop section. I'm only going to be going to news and events. I'm only going to be going to podcasts. So she knows, like Brian, when she goes to that page now to save a lot of time, she can insert F7 and uh, press N and it'll jump to news. She can press P and jump to podcast. So it is creating that familiarity. And likewise, with the heading structure, if she does go to a news section, she doesn't want to have to down arrow through all the menu options. She knows that we have a heading structure there. She'll press H and she'll jump straight to the first heading, which is normally the title of the news blog. Now, with that, yes, they're getting familiar. Someone's getting familiar with the, the talkback, the voiceover with JAWS, with what we're offering. But if she, if she or another person is involved in the design process, how would that site change? Would it remain much the same or would they really, I need, this is my top three, maybe it's not everybody else's top three. How would you reorganize the structure of the internet? Definitely the pages, the sim, vision and therapy one page is as simple as possible. They want uh, menus to only expand the information if they want to expand them. So it's, this is all to save time. So um if you go to a menu with a screen reader and like we have to hover over with, with the mouse to expand that menu visually. So we're not seeing the expanded menu when we don't want to. But a screen reader, when you down arrow through that, you can end up going through all those sub menus before you get to the next item menu. And people don't often realize that. And that's something that you have to fix, like either in JavaScript or you have to put in like maybe ARIA controls. That's a major consideration for people. Visually, we have those drop down menus with hover over app actions for our convenience. They want the same convenience that if, if you're down arrowing through a site and it says news and then there's loads of sub news items in there, like podcasts, uh, live events, whatever. They don't, they don't want to get them unless they've expanded it. They want to go on to the next one, which is the shop. It's, it's that kind of people do want simplicity in design. They don't want to get lost on the site. So don't, they always do ask for heading structure and things to be labeled. I know Brian was mentioning things like tables there. If there is a table, JAWS will identify that there's a table and you can press T and jump straight to a table. But then it's the information within that table that's hard to grasp because probably like your students there, if they're making a HTML table on your first few days and learning HTML, everyone's going to create pains to you know, label this and label that. And you're labeling your columns with the names of the actual column. And then we get to the design stage where we're making websites and that we don't do that anymore. We just kind of bypass that. And then when a screen reader is going through it, it's just saying like column four, row 14, and then it might read out the amount and you're going, well, what is column three or four? And you have to up arrow back to the top and you're reading the, the top and you're back down or back through it. Well, if it's labeled and the screen reader is in table mode, it will every time you change cell, it will say the value of the cell and let you know which column you're in. Tables are a particular problem, aren't they? Um, they are. We've heard that before. What must be a, a real benefit, a real boon for some keyboard users is applications like Word that are cross-platform and use essentially the same keyboard structure, shortcut structure, don't they? Absolutely. Like like, like the Microsoft suite there that we, we know that pressing Alt is going to bring us up into the ribbon. And then we can either move around the ribbon with our arrow key, or if we know the shortcut, we can let's press Alt and H for home. That's going to bring us to the home part of the ribbon. And that's the same for all um, applications across their suite. If there is tabs, control and tab is going to shift between tabs. And then you kind of understand that if you're in a browser, that's going to be similar. So you start building up. If you're in Excel and you go, I'm changing tabs, this, I wonder if it's the same in this browser. And often it is, especially when it's open. It's a Microsoft browser like M um, will internet explorer at the time and then edge yeah. edge edge now which i know is based on uh, chrome but chrome is actually quite good and works very similarly that universal design is definitely important for our students going out into their businesses or working for multinationals or, or banks or whoever they're going uh, those companies produce 
good, let's say, uh, website or applications themselves, if they're producing new stuff, I suppose that there's no obstacle to them recycling the same keyboard structure language, the same navigational language, is there? If it makes sense, you should definitely keep it as simple as possible. Windows do have a good structure there. And if you're making an application, we always have menus at the top. We can sort of mimic that where we press Alt and it brings us up to the menu. And from there, like the first letter in each um, of the menu items is normally like if I press Alt and F, I know I'm going to file. I can press Alt to bring me up to it and then move around, but I know Alt and F will bring me to file. Alt and H will bring me home. Whatever we have them labeled as. So that and kind of design is very useful. Yeah, the, and the classics, control, save, control, paste, exactly. copy, paste, all of that stuff. Okay, yeah. Look, I, I've kind of uh, dominated, interrogated you now for 10 minutes or so. <laughs> um, did you have anything you'd like to touch on or cover or, or, or talk about with the class today? Well, similarly to what Brian was uh, saying there with screen readers, and I know I've kind of mentioned this in the past ones, but we are at the mercy of the designer of the web pages and the applications that Brian has learned all these controls. He's learned all the shortcuts, but if he goes onto a web page that there is no heading structure or the reading order hasn't been correctly implemented or the tabbing order, he's going to get completely lost on it. And I suppose if I talk about it like that in, in terms of forms, um, often when you're filling out a form, like we obviously need all the form fields to be labeled. So name has to be labeled, surname has to be labeled. It's often good to have validation from the web page. If you get a date of birth and it's kind of like an open text box and, you know, maybe, maybe it's only accepting, you know, 06 forward slash 06 forward slash 1950, but then you're, you're writing uh, 06 June uh, and then just 50. Like if you have some sort of validation within the text box to kind of stop that from happening, whether that's drop downs or correct error messages. Now, what often happens is when you leave a form field and there is an error message, like you could have some sort of notification on the top of the page. It's normally after you press submit that you know, it'll do a check on your form. We visually will see like a, a red box at the top of the page. And it'll say invalid email address. But Brian has pressed submit. It hasn't announced anything. He's not understanding why the page hasn't changed. We would need to set the focus to go to that error message. When he hits submit, it'll jump to that error message and say invalid email address. He goes, I put in my wrong email. And then he'd tab back down to the email address and change it from there. That's an easy enough fix with uh, controlling the focus. But what often happens is for some reason on some websites, you know, if you select like gender or you select something from a drop down box, it might reload something on that page uh, for whatever. It might be expanding more options or different questions because you've picked that option. That can often reload the page and then bring the screen reader back to the top of the page. So you've spent maybe four or five minutes filling out a lot of questions. You've picked your gender and it brings you back up to the top of the page and you have to navigate all the way back down to that box and then continue on. So what should happen is if a page does reload and there is going to be a change of focus, especially in filling out a form, it should return you to where you were because like that could happen five or six times on a form. It's going to take someone a screen reader three or four times as long to fill it out than it would a sighted person. But if all that control was there and notifications and focus were all correct, it would only take them like an extra a minute and a well-decided person and often plenty of cases start are quicker for date validation we often see little pop-up calendar boxes appear on on screen does that mm -hmm. mess up the flow it depends on which calendar you're using. Sometimes the screen reader won't even go into it. It can't even access the focus of those boxes. Other times it's very hard to make sense of what you're doing because you might be down arrowing or right arrowing and you're changing the date. The year and date itself is often harder to get to. 
So sometimes it's nice to have a drop down box with, you know, not 31. Well, you should probably pick the month first so you can uh, limit the amount of days in it. Uh, so if we pick the drop down box with the 12 months and then the next box is the day and then that corresponds to the amount of days within that month and then a drop down box for the year, it can make it simpler, especially for validation purposes. These are examples, I think, of where features are applied, but might actually not be necessary, even for the business that's operating them. You think a registration form, you need to actually know someone's birth date. What you're doing here is you're providing a very specific function in a very specific format. But in effect, it's just a data field in some entry that isn't really going to break a business workflow. And if there's no. an error, then you, you can repair that. This is kind of the worst face of a computer, really, that it can be made to do like only one thing in one specific way. The first platform that people are using these days is the smartphone, is the iOS or the Android, isn't it? It is. And for a sighted person, it's definitely iOS is their main device. They just got out the gate first with good accessibility. Like almost from the launch of the iPhone, they were thinking about how is someone without sight going to be able to use this. And Android have just released a major update to talk back as of a week and a half, two weeks ago. And it's much more in line with iOS and it works very well. So there is parity there now. Out of interest, Capture. We all see capture at the end of a registration. How does that affect the keyboard only or the voiceover like, user? It depends on which captures you use. If it's a tick box one that you know checks the behavior of how you're using the site beforehand, normally you navigate to that and you press space bar and it ticks us and you can move on quite easily. The other ones have photographs, don't they? The photographs, yeah. But even in the tick box one, in the early days of that, it was kind of reading screen readers as a bot almost and not allowing it to. Ticking the box is kind of irrelevant to a capture. It's kind of tracking how you, quickly you've moved throughout the site and what way you've moved your mouse or moved controls on the screen. So a screen reader was kind of looking almost like a bot. But definitely pictures, like you said, it's impossible, uh, that type of capture to use. There is often an audio description option when that one does appear, but it's down to which capture you're using because sometimes that isn't available and then that's you know a non-runner for a screen reader. Yeah, and it's literally putting up a big brick wall in front of your website. You cannot pass here. Yeah. One more question or, or observation for you. Required fields on form entry, how does that appear? In your own code and in the back end, like when you set a field as required and visually the asterisk appears on screen, as the screen removes through that form field, like it will say required field. So the user then will know I have to fill this out. You could get to like first street address is required, second isn't, and it will tell you which one isn't, isn't and required. using the HTML markup on that as a required field the reader knows that and, and displays that or, or audio absolutely i will relay that back through the screen reader and that's an example of the way it should work isn't it exactly yeah and everything that we learn from a, an early stage in design that we kind of don't do because you know it's quicker not to really affects the screen reader and like we were saying before to fix these issues in hindsight when you've built 40 or 50 web pages is a nightmare than just being conscientious of like this is the way i'm supposed to design a table this is the way i'm supposed to design a form field and you know putting in an image i'm supposed to put in all text it's it's, it's kind of stuff that you learn at the beginning and we all are guilty of sort of speeding up and using shortcuts to get around that. And then it will come back to bite us in terms of accessibility down the line. The work practices, as opposed to the technologies that correct or make things, let's ignore the tools. But yeah. the way we use the tools really are, is almost more, as if not more important than the fact that the tools are good. Yeah.
like Brian, like he's a power user in terms of Jaws. He knows all the advanced controls, but he is at the mercy of what is in front of him. And I know I kind of probably use the example too much, but we teach people how to use white canes and how to navigate and get from A to B completely independently. But on, on a Wednesday when all the wheelie bins are out, or we've all parked our cars also on the footpath. You just can't get past it. And it's terrifying to go out onto a road to go around those bins. People don't do that on purpose. They're just not conscious how much of an inconvenience it is. And it's the same with app and web developers. Like it's not done out of malice or spite. It's just you're not aware of how inconvenient it is for someone to then navigate through the site with a screen reader. Yeah, no, we're not. I don't think society is malicious, but we're not keeping in mind that the context can be different or other than our own context. Exactly. And often you just have to completely put yourself in the place of someone with no sight. I did tech support for a long time for NCBI and you'd be giving people training and advice. And I would often be asked if I could send an email but no screen. And I thought they meant, is it possible not to use a screen with a computer? And I was like, of course, you don't need a screen to use a computer if you've got a screen. And they're like, no, can you personally use one? So... People are always like wanting to know if we we understand what they're going through. It is useful to test that out every now and then. Well, uh, Sean, we've had a really uh, a good hour. Brian's demonstration was really really informative. Um, Jaws for PC users. There's if students wanted to evaluate it, they can evaluate for a period of time for free, can they? They can. I think it's like a 40 minute mode. When you download it, you can use it for 40 minutes, and you have to restart your computer to use it again. NVDA is. A free program, a free screen reader. It's very good. I wouldn't have some of the deeper layers that JAWS can do in terms of OCR modes and a certain set of controls. But for a screen reader, a free screen reader, it's fantastic. So I'd recommend if you really want to test it. That stuff is working. Yeah, absolutely. You can. Yeah, NVD is great. And um, and then VoiceOver um, on iOS and macOS is just part of the package, really. Windows has Windows Narrator built in as part of the package. It's, it's fine. It's just not as advanced as NVDA or, or JAWS. And then like Android have TalkBack built in, which is a major update in the last two weeks there, and it's much better. And then VoiceOver on the iPhone has always been quite good, and it's always improving. Well, thank you, Sean, for helping us to better understand how the underlying structure of web pages are used by screen readers. And thanks to Brian for demonstrating how he uses JAWS to use his PC. Thanks to Ruth Campion for sound editing. And the music used was ESA One Supernova, released by the Argafox label under a CC BY Creative Commons license. Do subscribe to and share the podcast and look out for more episodes of Design Talk.